You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Fun show so far. Did our Behind Enemy Lines segment with Richard Skinner of KRC 12 in Cincinnati. Talk a little Bengal football. The 0-2 Cats are going to be in town to take on the Jets on Sunday. We will certainly talk about the Cowboys over the next couple of nights as they are playing the Giants on Monday. A lot of baseball. We are on judge watch. We are on record watch right now in the Bronx. Judge is having a good game, but you know what? Fans aren't probably satisfied because he hasn't hit a home run. He's two for three with a couple of doubles, couple of runs scored. Yanks have a 6-2 lead over the Buccos as they stretch right now in the seventh inning. So things are good in Yankee land as far as the outcome of the game is concerned. But we are all standing by, and we are waiting, and we are watching. And if, you know, right now, I mean, all things considered, because the Yankees aren't going to bat in the bottom of the ninth. I, I can't see them blowing this lead. So right now, he may only get one more time at bat. Um, And if I'm not mistaken, could be wrong. Hang on, let me see. One, two, I think he's due to bat this inning here in the seventh. So this might be it for him for tonight. We shall see. Now, Luis Severino was the other story that was factoring into tonight's game, making his first start since the middle of July. He was on a strict pitch count, and I think all things considered, it went okay. He went five innings, only gave up the one run, a couple of hits. He had six punch outs, 64 pitches. Feel good about that. And Severino, in all probability, if this thing kind of projects out the way you expect it to, he'll get maybe over the next two weeks, two more starts, you like to think, before October. So realistically... How much is he going to be stretched out by the time the playoffs roll around, right? 65 pitches today. Can they get him up to 85-90 by the time the postseason begins? I don't think that that's a stretch. I think that that's doable if there's no speed bumps or complications or anything like that. And it's important. As I said at the beginning of the show, guys, right now if you're the Yankees, your postseason fate is going to be tied to quite simply how many guys you can trust in this rotation. How many guys you believe in? How many guys are you going to give the ball to and think, all right, we got a shot tonight? Cole, you're paying him to be that guy. You know, and so by default, I think that that's somebody you better trust. I know that there's some people that have been hitting me up and saying, like, you really, you, you really trust Garrett Cole, really? Well, you know what? Not for my life. I trust Garrett Cole to be a pitcher in home run derby at the All-Star game because that's what he's good at, giving up home runs. But where else am I going? You know, because there's going to be some nights where Judge isn't hitting home runs. Stanton's not hitting grand slams. You know, you got nights like tonight where Anthony Rizzo was striking out three times. Golden Sombrero. Where you're going to have to rely on that pitching. And I'm sorry, I, I don't know what I'm getting out of the bullpen. Who's closing games for me? I don't trust Clay Holmes. I almost, I, I never thought in a million years I would say this, but I trust more guys right now in that Yankee rotation, and it's not a lot, then I trust guys in that bullpen. And there's a thought. That is a scary, scary thought right now. Cole, you throw in Nestor, but this is still uncharted territory for Nestor. 
Never pitched this deep before into a season, this many innings. We don't know when it's suddenly going to go belly up. And now you got Louie. And he hasn't pitched in two months. So once we get past this whole 61 thing, like all of the things that I'm bringing up right now, that's kind of been tabled for a little bit. Like you're not worrying about the problems of the Yankees and you know what's going to hold them back and what's going to make them succeed come playoff time. All that stuff is kind of like a moot point because Judge is on the warpath to 61 or 62. And once he gets that, then the scene immediately shifts to, okay, Yankees in the playoffs. Yankees trying to get back to a World Series. Now, there's no more Joey Gallo. <laughs> I, I mean, I'll never forget that. Like, during the summer, doing the shows, and this was before the Yankees hit that tailspin. When they were on top of the baseball world, they were the team to beat, they were the best team in the sport, and yet the fans were still all riled up over Joey Gallo. That the Yanks needed more production from that nine spot in the batting order. Right? That wasn't good enough. That wasn't cutting it. Well, you know what? It's a little bit more clear now that that is the least of their concerns, and you wish that that was the least of their concerns. There's bigger fish to fry when you're talking about this Yankee team. 800-919-3776. So when Judge comes to the plate, we'll keep you posted uh, on what he's going to do here and what will be his fourth at bat of the game. Let's go back to the phones. Let's say hi to Frank. He's in Westbury. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Frankie, good evening. How are you? I'm good. My man, Dan. All right. So I told him I was going to try to shorten what I wanted to say. I was having an argument with a buddy of mine, right? He's saying how okay, the judge's record is impressive and all that, but, you know, 60's been done by Babe Ruth and, and blah, blah, blah. We went back and forth. Point was that I tried to explain to him, Babe Ruth's record, I mean, like, it's there, it's in the books, but, like, the, the competition was so different. It was so Correct. much lower that, like, you, you have to see how much more impressive what judge is doing is. And uh, along with almost having the triple crown, but his retort to that is, mm-hmm. then why wasn't everybody hitting 60 home runs like Babe Ruth? If, if the competition was just so low, why was it just him? You know, I mean, uh, yeah, there were other players, but but why is it always Babe Ruth was the, the standard? Like, you know, and I guess he was better than the other players. I mean, I didn't really have much to say back to him. You know what well, I mean? But, you know, Frank, you know what it is? Babe Ruth, Babe Ruth saved baseball. Like, if you think about where we were in our country during the war and all those things back then, right. in a way, he kind of saved baseball. You know, because he became this larger-than-life figure. The world was different. The country was different, of course. But he, be, as baseball was graduating into this – and Judge grounds out the first base, by the way. Um, as, as baseball was graduating into this national pastime and whatnot, you know, here was this guy that everybody knew. As baseball was becoming like the game of our nation, here was a guy who was front and center better at it than everybody else. And he didn't, he didn't look like the matinee idol. He didn't look like certainly the, the, what we perceive an athlete to be. He was tubby. He exactly. was overweight. And he still went out there and hit home runs. But you know what, Frank? I, I say this all the time. In all sports, not just baseball, these are fun arguments to have, you know, comparing players from different eras. But they're damn near impossible to really pick a right answer because – the errors have to be taken into account when they were played. Exactly. Right? right. I, I agree 100% with you on that. But some people want to see, see it as a universal playing field as if, you know, if the 90s is the same as the 2000s and the same as the 2000s. Like, like you know, David, that, that's where I guess the disconnect comes with me and maybe my friend. And one last thing I just wanted to throw in the was yeah. – the comeback from the Jets, that just happened. 
fantastic, yeah. amazing. I'm a Giants fan, but it was amazing. Yeah. I watched it, and, and there is no way, and I know people have said this, Zach Wilson would have led that comeback. Not saying that he would have been bad or da da da. I just don't think the the sequence of events that needed to occur from like Jets got lucky, but they had to do a lot to right. to also make things happen. I don't see how Zach Wilson and now the third game when uh, Joe Facco plays next week. Let's say he does decent. Like he's had one stinker. He's had a, a great game. Now let's say he has an average game somewhere in the middle and. Zach Wilson comes back, and they've seen what the offense could be like. I feel like exactly what they were avoiding to do by without putting Mike White in and keeping Joe Flacco in, they'll have same kinds of of noise in the crowd where if Zach Wilson comes out the first game against the Steelers and he's like 10 for 28 by the you know fourth quarter and it's been throw two, two picks or something, I could see them saying, put Flacco back in, you know? And – Again, you'll be stuck in the same place because I really don't believe Zach Wilson would have led that comeback. I don't. I, I personally, I don't think so. Maybe he Wait. would have been able to do some things with his legs or so, but to actually get two touchdowns in two minutes—I mean, well, I Frank, haven't seen him get two touchdowns in four weeks, two months. What, I mean, come on, Frank. Let me counter what you said with this: If Zach Wilson was the quarterback on Sunday, do we uh, know that the Jets are in that predicament to begin with? With two minutes, that's left a in great there? point. I don't even know if they're in the game at that point, or they could be in a better place. You're right. That's it what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you know, does Zach Wilson fumble the ball when Joe Flacco did? When Davion Clowney took a swipe at the ball and, and knocked it out of Flacco's hands and turned it over right. on a fumble there? How do we know that Zach Wilson doesn't escape the pocket there instead of just standing around and, and fumbling the ball? You know, Wilson I mean, more mobile. You're, you're just, just, right. just and things like that. Going out in that game was a huge thing for the Jets too. By the way, oh, the huge. Going out. I, mean, that, I think that was bigger than – nobody's talking about it. I mean, I've heard you talk about it, a couple others, but I, I think that was bigger than to most of the other plays that happened. And, you know, it's, I'm, I, I appreciate how you started off and uh, gave a different perspective on that game. If you remember uh, how you said the actual seeds had been laid prior to Nick Chubb running yep. into the uh, – And I went back and I watched it. And you're right. Like, like you could just now, in hindsight, you could see each p- piece of the puzzle fall into place for it to uh, end, the, end up the way it did. But all right, Dan, that, th- thank you for taking my call. Thank you for giving me the, the time to answer all my questions, man. Frank, no problem, bud. You get back to us. It's Frankie and Westbury. Good caller. I actually ran that by the, some folks in the building today when I was out there, and, and they hadn't really thought of it. I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just uh, – it, it is what it is. Like, everybody points, like, across the country and all, you know, like, the football media world, they're all pointing to that Nick Chubb play when he scored the touchdown, and that he shouldn't have done. And what I said on the show last night, for those that didn't get a chance to hear it, go back to the play immediately before the Nick Chubb touchdown. All right? What happened there, right before the play – Jets burn their final timeout. There's 2.09 left on the clock. Jets are out of timeouts. Cleveland hands the ball off to Kareem Hunt. He runs left. He gets tackled out of bounds. And there's 2.02 left on the clock at that point. Clock is stopped, of course. And what I said, imagine if that play took two seconds longer to complete. And if it even ended the same way with Hunt being tackled out of bounds... As long as the clock said two minutes or less when the play ended, the game was over. Then we're not even talking about Nick Chubb scoring a touchdown on the next play because at two minutes, the Jets are out of timeouts. CBS goes to commercial. The Browns come back. 
They take a knee three times, and the game is done, and the Jets can't stop the clock. Think about it. That was the game. But because he got tackled at 2.02, it forced the Browns to run one more play before the two-minute warning, and it turned out to be Nick Chubb's touchdown. And that set off the crazy sequence of events. And despite all those things that happened, all the craziness, all the, the most improbable was the onside kick. That was the craziest part of it. The onside kick being recovered by the Jets was easily the most incomprehensible thing because onside kicks don't get recovered in the NFL nowadays. With the new rule in place, it just doesn't. And how about that? Braden Mann, think about this. Braden Mann, the Jet punter, was named the AFC Special Teams Player of the Week earlier today. And it was essentially, even though he's a punter, and, you know, he punted okay on Sunday. He punted a lot better in Cleveland than he did in week one against the Ravens. But Braden Mann won Special Teams Player of the Week essentially for two plays, neither one of which involved punting. One, executing the fake punt in the first half when he threw the pass and they were able to move the chains and get a first down. Secondly, for executing the onside kick. How about that? In a perfect world, you don't want games to have to come down to that. You'll take the win, but they know they have to clean a lot of things up and they have to be crisper. And back to what Frank was talking about with Zach Wilson. Guys, again, I don't know if Zach Wilson plays. How do we know that the Jets aren't leading in the fourth quarter? We, we, we don't know. I mean, the Jets had only scored a couple of touchdowns with Flacco at the helm for the first three and a half quarters, or almost four full quarters until those final two minutes, right? They put 17 points on the board. And it took a fake punt for them to extend one of those drives. What if the offense moved a little bit better under Zach Wilson? Don't know, but it's possible. And I would look to one other thing, too, as far as when he's going to get back in. Think back to last year when he missed that time in the middle of the season. He might have been ready to return a week or two earlier than he did. They waited till he was 110% healthy, and they started him for the first time in a road game in Houston. And it took him a while to work some rust off. He was not very good in that Houston game. Remember Austin Walter, the running back? He scored a big touchdown in that game, kind of made a name for himself. And that's why I think they're looking at that Pittsburgh game in week four. On the road, so he doesn't have to hear it from his own fans, let's say, if he's struggling or anything like that. Trying to keep the dude's confidence up. Not to say that Pittsburgh is the easiest pace to play, but it's not a home game. That could be how things are lining up here. 800-919-3776. More of your calls, but... We're also going to get into the baseball situation, as I said. Jacob DeGrom, any concern now and for the end of the season? Dan Grosser Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. 
Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. And by the way, he's still sitting pretty right now when you're talking about the triple crown and the batting title in the American League because his average right now is at 317. His other two competitors for that AL batting crown, Xander Bogarts of the Boston Red Sox, their game is final right now. They lost in Cincinnati. Bogarts went two for four, so he's at 317. So he and Judge right now are tied for the batting title, I don't know about all the decimals and this and that. You know, three, one, seven, that, 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 that. I don't know. They'll figure that out over the next few days when Bogarts and the Red Sox come to town. That's fun. Think about that over the next few days. You got Judge going for the record, and you're going to have him and Bogarts battling it out for the American League batting title. Luis Arise, who's the third guy in the mix, Minnesota's playing tonight, but Arise not in the lineup for whatever reason. I didn't see why, but um, he's down to 314. So it's Bogarts and Judge heading into the next few weeks or the next few days here trying to sell away that batting title in the American League. I mean, it's like it's going to be silly when it's all said and done that we actually spent time and wasted valuable breath talking about whether Judge or Otani is the MVP, right? I I mean, like think about in hindsight how ridiculous this is going to be. Well, now we're sitting here talking about Judge And, you know, we fielded a lot of calls on it over the last couple of nights, whether or not this is the greatest single season by, you know, a non-pitcher, by a position player like in the history of baseball or in the last, like, 50, 60 years. And why is the guy the MVP then? Shouldn't it be pretty obvious? Right? The guy leads in, like, 10 different categories, not just the big three. And he's going to win a triple crown, perhaps? How is he not the MVP? And the thing that still makes it all the more remarkable about what Judge has done this year is that he stayed healthy and that he's been durable. Because, like, I would never figure Judge would be that guy who would be able to achieve these records and break all these milestones and so on and so forth because he was a guy that had problems staying on the field. And to produce and to hit all these marks, you got to play. And he wasn't able to do that. But now he is, and he can walk out the door at the end of the season and go to the highest bidder. Unbelievable. 800-919-3776. Hey, Tino's in Staten Island. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Tino, my man, what's going on? Dan, my main man, how are you, brother? How are you doing this evening? Tino, I am outstanding. Tell me what's up. What's going on? Same old, Dan. Just talk a little, sprinkle some next, and then quickly a quick jet point. About yeah. the Knicks, Dan, um, I know the season's well, about three weeks away, close. I'm reading up reports about Ian Begley reporting that he gives it a 40% chance that the Knicks will trade Randall before the season starts. To really? Me, I, don't, I think that's absurd. Uh, that's the new report I heard today. He gives it a 40% chance before by training camp, Knicks will move him. What are you, you going to get for him? His value is so low right now, you know, and he's got the atrocious contract. I would let him play out the season and then see what you can get maybe in February. Maybe you never know. Maybe he he gets that season that he had two years ago when he was in a top five MVP candidate. 
Also, another report, jobs are up on the line. Come training camp, I heard that they're looking at even starting Cam Reddish at the three. I don't know if you heard this report. And moving no. Barrett to the two and playing Reddish, Reddish at the three. And I didn't think Reddish was going to be even uh, get a shot even to make the rotation. So everything is up for grabs. Also, Reddish is, Reddish is Cook, a yeah. – Tino, you know what, what it is? Reddish is a Rich Paul guy, okay? So yeah. the yeah. only thing that I can draw from that, and I didn't see this report, maybe they're, you know, yeah. I, I don't know if there's some stuff going on behind the scenes. They're going to try to showcase him as much as possible and then make him a part of a package no. to send him someplace else. Maybe yeah, I know, I know maybe out to L.A. Look, look, yes, the Lakers are looking into him. Maybe for a first. Well, it's like the, because L.A. is the rich Paul haven, you know that. Yes, yes. Also, Dan, I know I'm a big Derrick Rose fan, mm-hmm. but he has no more value for this team anymore. You know, in, in a year from now, he's not going to be on the roster. To me, I would move him because he only is going to do is going to take up space for the young guys like Deuce McBride, I mean, um, IQ. To me, I understand he's got a lot of value, and, he, and when he's healthy, he's very productive. But long term, he's not going to be on the team. He's a guy I would look to move. Uh, when the season starts, what do you think about that? And then I'll get, make a quick point on the Jets, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I um, the thing about that is you got to see how the season plays out because if the Knicks are winning games and they're in the playoff mix, yes. they're going to keep Derrick Rose because a Tibbs loves him, you know that, oh, and they need somebody to be, yeah. they need somebody to be that stabilizing presence off the bench. You're not just going to give him away because he doesn't fit in long term. I mean. Let him play out his contract if, if push comes to shove. If the Knicks are competitive, if they're winning games, they're going to keep a guy like Derrick Rose on their team, plain and simple. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, but it just, I just see it long term. I, I don't know if he's going to fit the young nucleus that he has. Uh, and also, another report I read today, they got Tibbs on a short leash. I mean, the leash could be really short for him if they come off to an ugly start. And I don't think that's fair. I think you got to give him – I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago. I think you got to give him at least 35, 40 games before you pull the trigger on him, you know. But we'll see. Quickly on the Jets, Dan, if you don't yeah. mind. Yep. Uh, I know the last caller spoke yeah. about – talk about he talked about um, about if, if, um, if Zach Wilson was playing in that game and we, we don't win. I actually kind of agree with him, Dan. To me, what I've seen I, – listen, I know it's only a short uh, – we only see – he's always hurt, but – the guy's a turnover machine, and I want him to be successful with the Jets. I mean, this is our franchise quarterback, you know, because a quarterback sets you back five years if, if, if you don't hit it. You know, right. you go back to square one. So I hope, I hope Zach comes back and is good. But even in the preseason, when he, when, he, when he got hurt, that was just a silly, dumb mistake. You still don't know how to slide? I mean, you learned that in peewee school. You know, you slide, don't get hit. I don't di- look. I don't disagree with you. It was it was a flukish thing that happened in the preseason. And Tino, I got to let you go because the line's uh, dumping out there. But I appreciate the call. Zach's last four games, excuse me, more than last four games. I think it was like his last five games last year. Didn't turn the football over. All right, so you take that, right? No ints. The final five games of the season. So that's something to work off of. Think about that last home game last year against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Remember, he walked off the field the last snap he took that day with a lead. 
Remember they didn't get that fourth and one play and there was the whole, you know, miscommunication. Was it an audible? Should he have checked out or whatever? You know, when he took the ball himself instead of handing it off or, or whatever. But he walked off the field with a lead. And it was the defense that let Tom Brady go down the field. And you know what? They're not the first. They're not the last. And, and, and Brady beat him. That's a good, that would have been a good victory. But that was a good performance. A week before he played well against the Jaguars, threw a couple of touchdown passes, had that long 50-plus yard run for a touchdown. You know, so he was coming along. The worst thing in the world that can happen to the Jets is that you end this season and you don't know what you have in Zach Wilson. That is the fatal flaw that can happen to this franchise, and you don't want that because look out west. Look at what just happened with the San Francisco 49ers already this year. They turned the whole operation over to Trey Lance. The whole thing over, right? So much so that they were talking about trading Jimmy Garoppolo, that we don't need you anymore. It's Trey Lance's team. When they drafted him last year, they traded how many draft picks to move up to number three to get him? It was going to be his team. Now, Trey Lance suffers a season-ending injury the other day, and he's done. So this is a wasted year. So now the 49ers are going to go into Trey Lance's third season in the NFL still not having any idea what the hell they have in this kid. And they have to use him because Garoppolo's going to be gone. It's, it, it's going to be Trey Lance's team. So this is, in essence, a wasted year for the whole Niners-Trey Lance experiment. Jets can't afford to have the same thing happen. Now, what's different is, I actually think the Niners are a better team with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback right now. Right? They just almost went to a Super Bowl last year. Jimmy G is better for that team. That locker room likes Jimmy G. I don't know if the Jets are a better team with Joe Flacco than Zach Wilson. Because keep this in mind, and I've said this before, all these new players that the Jets brought in, all the upgrading personnel, all the additional talent, all of these things, right? This team was sculpted with the idea that Zach Wilson was going to be the quarterback. Not Joe Flacco, Zach Wilson. And so I think it's fair, and I think it's only right, that we need to see how this team is going to operate with the quarterback that they have in mind to run this offense. Right? That's why they took him where they did in the draft. They thought he was a fit for this system. Let's see it play itself out. 800-919-3776. Dan Grosser Show on a Wednesday, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Speaking of Yankees, this one ain't over yet, folks. The game is over. Yankees are going to win. But in terms of judge and the pursuit of history, it ain't over. We thought it was. But something funny here happened in the eighth inning, and that was 
the Pirates haven't recorded an out. There have been how many guys come up to plate here or up to the plate? Ne- needless to say, there's no outs. It's eight to two, and judges now do up fourth. Bader, IKF, Trevino, and then Judge with nobody out. Now, things could change, of course. You could get double plays and so on and so forth, but there's a better than good chance he gets another crack at this thing, which would be incredible. This odd circumstances of events that he just keeps getting opportunities to, you know, take down this record. Really and truly. Lewis and Rockland, he's up next here on 9870 ESPN. Lou, how are we doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for taking my call. What's um, up, Lou? I just wanted to. Just wanted to say that I, I think, you know, the writing's on the wall. He's definitely going to take down the record. And, and what that means for the contract situation is, uh, you know, he's definitely getting hundreds of millions of dollars more than what he was supposed to get after, you know, holding out and betting on himself. And I just want to think, I just want to say also that, you know, the way that he's holding himself and, you know, his composure throughout this process and being team first, you know, I think speaks volumes to him, and you know, I'm happy to have him as a Yankee. And and what are your thoughts? You know, if he goes to another team, I know you you're not a Yankees fan, but what are your thoughts if he goes to another team, leaving this franchise after taking this single season home run record for this division? Lewis, let me ask you a question. I'll 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 answer the question by asking you a question. What can I ask? What you do for a living? Me, I'm I'm in finance. You're in finance. Okay. Let's say you've worked at this one firm exclusively your whole life. Okay, this is the only place you've ever worked. And you did a tremendous job. You set records that have never been set before in terms of what the employees have done at your firm. Then you find out that there's another firm out there that wants to hire you away from the place that you've been at your entire life. And they make you an offer which is like double what your current firm is willing to pay you. Would you think about leaving? I think I think uh, you, you would definitely have that thought. The, the Yankees, which is my team, you know, you, you want to be there. You want to be a part of the legacy. But, you know, do you worry about your family or do you worry about legacy, hey, you know, for, Lou, for an organization? If, if, if he sets this record and wins the Triple Crown and wins the MVP, his legacy is secure in Yankee land. You know, Aaron Judge could go sign with, you know, the Red Sox, and he will be welcomed back 20 years from now or whenever his career is over as a Yankee, and they'll maybe even retire his number if he does all these things. But I, but think about this. What if he wins a championship? So if he stays for less, mm-hmm. he has, the, he has the, the accolade, the single-season accolade, which is just his own, but if he leads this team to a championship and has team success on that level, I think that takes him to another stratosphere. Sure it does. And, and, and I'm not saying that that won't happen. Another, and a base hit by Harrison Bader, by the way, two-run score. So still nobody out, runner on, Bader with a double, and judges still do uh, two batters away from getting up to bat. So it could happen here. Lou, thank you for the phone call. Here's, here's what we're looking at. And I kind of use this example. Think back to Albert Pujols, right? Albert Pujols was a lifelong Cardinal. The guy won MVPs. The guy won World Series. 2011, he helps the Cardinals win a World Series. And he was a free agent at the end of the year. What happened? 
Angels blew him out of the water with an offer he couldn't say no to. They paid him $250 million, plus they gave him a personal services contract to when his career, his playing career is over, he's going to you know, get paid, I think, like a million bucks a year, whatever it was, from the Angels for, for a few seasons after that to you know, show up to games, show up to spring training, and kiss babies and sign autographs. And I don't know if that's still valid, by the way, because they cut him and, and you know, it got messy. But that could happen with Judge. Not saying the Angels, but there could be a team out there that, that gives Judge an astronomical deal that he's going to have to really consider. You know, this is going to be the last, maybe you know, big money contract that Judge makes in his playing career. He should milk every last ounce out of it from whoever it is. And I'll tell you, he's not, not to say that he won't resign with the Yankees, but he's not giving the Yankees a hometown discount. You know, all of that, you know, the, the warm and fuzzy feelings and stuff, that goes out the window when you're talking about business. If the Yan- Yankees offer $213 million, he turned it down, right? If the Yankees offer 300 and there's another team out there that offers, let's say, 325 330 that's $25, $30 million extra. What would you do? What would you do? He'd have to consider it. The thing about Judge, though, like he said, you know, when, any, when anybody's asked him about the contract during the season, like he said on a couple of occasions this year, like, oh, I don't play the game for money. I don't worry about money and blah, blah, blah. Well, it's kind of, you know, talking out of both ends of your you-know-what. If he doesn't play the game for money, then why did you turn down $213 million? Right? $213 million should be more than enough to live off of for the next, you know, 10 generations of judges. So if it's not about money, then why was 213 not good enough for you? Judge is on deck, by the way. Trevino's up with one out. So he will get a crack at this, barring something unforeseen. Speaking of the judge negotiations, and Trevino just gets a base hit, judge is coming up. Buster Olney was on TMKS earlier this afternoon, and he spoke specifically about the judge contract negotiations and says certainly they're going to bear watching. Here's what Buster had to say. He's checked every box. Right? He's done the production. He's done the defense. He's done the, the base running. He's a great teammate by all accounts. Uh, he's done the off-the-field stuff. He, he, he's doing everything, which is why I think there's a real chance some owner's going to come in and say, you know what, I want to recast my franchise. I'm going to throw a huge number at this guy and hope we get him. And it, it remains to be seen whether or not the Yankees will chase that. I don't think they will. If some team put out a, you know, a 400 million, a 350 million based off of this year, because that's what I think. If an owner comes in and challenges the Yankees, he's going to be doing it because of what's happened this year. Here's the difference between what's happening now, okay, versus maybe what happened once upon a time with the Yankees when you're talking about free agents. In the past, the Yankees were going to be able to outbid any other team. That's not the case anymore. Because they have not dis- displayed that type of aggressiveness on the open market in quite some time. As I said, the only free agent that they have given a mammoth contract to over the last several years has been Garrett Cole, the 324. Guess what? Judge is going to get 324 or more, likely, from somebody. And there's going to be other teams that can write him a big fat check like that, apart from the Yankees, maybe even more than the Yankees. Judge is facing the lefty Eric Stout right now, and it's a 3-0 count. I don't, I don't think they're pitching around him because the game, it's 11-2 right now. Like, if you're Pittsburgh, what do you have to lose? 
You know what I mean? What do you have to – it's 11-2. to two. The game is done. It's finished. The only thing I could see is maybe Stout doesn't want to be tied to history. He doesn't want to be the guy that gave up the 60 – and he walked him on four pitches. You might as well just put up four – well, you could if, – if, if Derek Shelton put up four fingers uh, to issue an intentional walk, the place would have, you know, gone crazy. Crazy. But, you know, the Mets can give him that type of a contract. The Boston Red Sox, once upon a time, they spent money. And Judge is being replaced for a pinch runner. They're just getting him off the bases, give him, a, you know, an innings rest, if you will. Um, San Francisco Giants, they have been known to spend money in the past. They have. But will they do it for this instance? To bring a Northern California kid home? Perhaps. It's so funny. you got to see the people flooding, heading to the exits right now. Judge is out of the game. There's nothing more worth watching. It's 11-2. Thanks. Arrive home safely. <laughs> it's like that's all they came to watch. It's unbelievable. But Judge is going to go to sleep again still as the triple crown leader in the American League. He's got that average of 317, which is a little bit higher than Bogart's. And he'll take another stab at history coming up tomorrow night. And tomorrow night's a Fox game, remember? Channel 5, my buddy Adam Amin is going to be behind the mic there on, um, on Channel 5. We'll see what happens. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We'll take a quick timeout. We'll come right back and wrap this baby up. Dan Grasser Show here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Second home run of the night. Yeah, second time we've had to play this for flavor. Five ribbies on that. I'm telling you, this is the guy who is an X factor for this lineup. The outlook for this offense changes significantly if Glaber Torres is swinging the bat like he's been pretty much for the last couple of weeks. Looking like that guy from 2019 who you thought we were talking about a future MVP. Boy, if this continues, look out. Well, Judge isn't going to set the record tonight. So remember, tomorrow's a Fox game. Friday is Apple TV. They're not going to be back on Yes until Saturday afternoon. Call it a hunch. I was just telling the guys during the break. I got a feeling that he is going to set the record on Saturday afternoon. That is when you're going to get number 62. Lock it in. Lock it in. Number 62 is coming on Saturday. 
Wes is in Tampa. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Wesley, good evening. How are you? <laughs> Wesley, that reminds me of my mom. Rest in peace. I love you guys. Uh, I, I love all the shows that you have, and, and I get to stream it. Quickly, awesome. I, I was there in the uh, early 70s. I had just had a tooth extracted, extracted when I saw O.J. Simpson at uh, Shea Stadium for the Buffalo Bills break Jim Brown's record. It would snow all over the place. It was like freezing. Me and my mom, we left at halftime, and it was phenomenal. To see Judge, what he did was just great. You know, when I was on the high school bowling team, I had seven strikes in a row. Uh and, What's your all-time uh, high? What's your all-time high bowling a game, Wes? Two fifty-six. Wow, they, I and, think mine is at one. I'm at like one seventy-five, but I don't think I've picked up a bowling ball probably in at least fifteen years. Speaking of picking up the bowling ball, yeah. After I had seven strikes, and the entire bowling alley was like watching me. My palms were sweaty when I picked up that ball. It was like picking up a barbell. <laughs> yeah, that's how I felt. And I, you were like Roy Munson. You were unconscious. Yeah, and I got like seven pins knocked down, and everybody applauded. But imagine Judge, what he's going through at a time we're in we're in a pennant race and contract dispute, triple crown. The guy's just awesome. And if we don't sign him, I, I got to tell you, man, a lot of Yankee fans are, are just just going to be really disappointed. Oh, they're going they're, they're going to be they're going to be crestfallen, Wes. They're going to be destroyed, and, and as they should be. But I will say this, and, and Wes, I got to go. But I thank you for the phone call. You get back to us. I don't know. Did, did anybody get the Roy Munson reference? By the way, you guys get it? No. Kingpin, great movie. If you ever saw Kingpin, Farrelly Brothers. Maybe one of the more underrated movies. Kingpin is hysterical. Woody Harrelson, Bill Murray, Roy Munson, bowling, funny. Very funny. Anyway, the only thing that I think softens the blow a little bit if you're a Yankee fan, and in the event Judge leaves, if it happens after a World Series. Because the example I always tie back to is what happened this past year with the Braves. Right? Freddie Freeman, Freddie Freeman was more of a Braves icon and had a much more significant attachment to the Atlanta Braves than Judge does to the Yankees. Freeman's been a Brave longer, been through more than Judge has done with the Yankees, all those things. Freeman won an MVP, and Freeman won a world championship finally last year, and they let him walk out the door, and he went and signed with the Dodgers. But the reason that Braves fans weren't screaming bloody murder over it is because it just happened off of a World Series championship, that Freeman left, but he helped you win a World Series finally. I think it would have looked differently if they let him go and he never delivered on that promise to bring him a championship. He did. So if the Yankees win a title and then Judge goes sign someplace else, can he be all that angry? And remember, are you gonna in the event Judge leaves, what do you think is gonna be the likelier outcome or the likelier reason for him leaving? Do you think it's gonna be because Judge is being a thief and, and, and just going for the, the highest dollar figure? Or do you think it's the Yankees not ponying up and giving them money that other teams are going to be offering? I think it's the latter. If Judge leaves, it's going to be because the Yankees didn't pay him what other teams were willing to offer. That's what I think will happen. But we shall see.